ready. Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Hello. Hey, Brother Joseph. Hello, Alan. Hey, Brother Alan. How are y'all gentlemen doing tonight? Great. Okay. I've got y'all in the queue. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're just getting set up. We've got about two minutes till we kick off tonight's uh, marathon. We're doing uh, six shows tonight, folks, back-to-back. Hope uh, you like this new schedule. We're back in the evenings. And, Brother Alan, it's great to be back at nights. We can get you back on again. I'm glad to have you on tonight with Brother Joe. One minute until showtime. Yes, you know, we, uh, can you come closer to your mic, mic, Brother Allen? Yep. You already have a very low voice, so if you get too far away. Uh, it's, it's just the phone. It's the phone, actually. The headset wouldn't work, the one you sent me, remember? Oh, that's right. You know what? We need to work on that. Uh, I need to upgrade and get a, a later generation uh, connector. Um, your voice is not intimidating at all, but I don't know. You might turn into a... A machine in court. <laughs> uh, Brother Joseph, how you doing? Oh, good, Brother Sam. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, Brother Allen might have to speak a little louder because it's hard to hear him. Yes. I'll speak loud. Don't worry about it. Amen. And if not, the Lord might boom down. Allen, speak loud. Right. We can't well, hear you. Your show will go live in five seconds. Okay, hold on. Four, Here we go. Three, two... One. Blog Talk Radio. Our beautiful Blog Talk Radio. We've been with them since 2010. Folks, we're excited to be here. We're kicking off tonight's marathon Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. We've got the men of God here tonight representing Israel. We've got Brother Joseph Cohen and Alan Binger. I'm honored to have you gentlemen here tonight. And uh, Brother Joseph, would you like to do the honors and open us up in prayer? Sure, Brother Shannon. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come tonight, Lord God, uh, once again to bring, Lord God, truth to the world, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, when the world, for the most part, just believes a lie, Lord God. Father Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We thank you, Father God, that you are good all the time, Father God. And uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. Father God, for your, your hand upon us, Lord God, and your protection upon us, Father, on the show tonight, Lord. We bind the hand of the enemy. We come against Satan, the demons, and powers of darkness. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. We command you to loose hold of the audience tonight. The blood of Jesus against you. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. We come against curses, hexes, jinxes, vexes, spells, witchcraft. The Lord rebuke you against Brother Allen's family, my, him, his family, myself, my family, Brother Shannon's family. Family, uh, the radio station, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the anointing in this message tonight that will break fetters, yoke, shackles, and bondages, Lord God. Touch the people's hearts, Lord God, to receive what God has given Brother Allen. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Brother Allen, it's all yours. Thank you, Brother Allen. Welcome oh. back. Okay, Happy New Year to everybody. And by the way, I want to uh, give a per- on a personal note, uh, a happy note, it's my, next week is Abby, my wife Abby, my 49th 
wedding anniversary. Wow. And the reason, you might say, why'd you get married in the dead of winter? Well, I was a second-year law student at Brooklyn Law School, and I'd just become a believer. This in 73, uh, I met, I became a believer at Penn State in 1971 uh, through two Jewish believers uh, that were in my dorm, just happened to be in the same dorm as me. That was a divine setup right there. And I just visited one of them, Ellis Goldstein, down in, he's still on the staff of Camp Crusade for Christ now called Crew, and in Orlando when I was down there just uh, last week. So, I'm actually, I'm back, back, it was exactly, it was last Tuesday, so a week ago. Um, but, so him and this guy, Jamie Cowan, who uh, is now, uh, he's a lawyer also, and he's in Israel now. And uh, still still in touch with both of them after, after over 50 years, so... They got me schooled in the faith, and then when I got graduated from Penn State and I went to Brooklyn Law School, I prayed for a, a wife, and 10 days later while I was attending a Bible study at the, uh, what was, what's now called Chosen People Ministries, but now, but that then was part of the America Board of Missions of the Jews, Bethsar Shalom Hebrew Christian Fellowship. I prayed for the next woman I meet, I pray it'll be uh, my wife. And I'd just broken up with a girl from Penn State, just a uh, soft breakup. She just didn't feel I was the one for her, and uh, so... I said, God, I want, I want the next one. <laughs> it should be the one. And ten days later, I uh, I met Abby at the Bible study that they held there. I'm not sure if it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, sometime during the week uh, there. And uh, we got married. So I met her in the fall of uh, late October, early November of 1973. And then a year later, uh, it was it was intercession from law school. That's why I got married. We were going to wait till the summer, but I said I couldn't wait that long. So... Uh, uh, getting tired of running back and forth to her uh, dorm and then running back home at night you know, on the subway. They said, why don't you just come home with me, <laughs> take you home, stay with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my, my mother, my parents, though, uh, wanted to get married by a rabbi, and they couldn't find any rabbi who married because they were belief in Jesus. So uh, she finally found a Jewish judge in, in the city of Mount Vernon, where I uh, just at yesterday, as a matter of fact, right by the city hall there, because I'm a personal injury lawyer, and I uh, I go to doctors and see clients right around, right, like a few yards from the right across the street from that where I got married. <laughs> so then we had a religious ceremony uh, in the name of Yeshua uh, at the Best Star Shalom Hebrew Christian Fellowship. They, we got married this, so we got married civilly, and then we did it in the name of Jesus. Uh, Brother, that that's not, beautiful. I think I huh? That is beautiful testimony. Congratulations, and no time like the winter time to get married because you need to help me to keep that body warm. <laughs> so it was Friday. We got married in the city hall, and then on Sunday we had the service at the other place. Just a few people there, and then a, a modest party at a. My wife had uh, was it with. In a group home because she grew where she had a, had a drug addict mother and drug addict father didn't meet them to meet her mother till she was seventeen and her father was had died already never met him uh, so she uh, and they were never married so she comes from a broken from nothing you know actually so she uh, um, was going to the mission there and uh, she she was in going to college and then and there was just a divine setup the way God had me meet Abby she's been a faithful woman. All these years, she says, "Well, I don't feel so." She says to me, "I don't feel so faithful because I don't. Lo- I feel like I love you." I said, "Well, that's all the more. You're, you're being faithful. No one always feels. I don't always like myself. <laughs> that's that's what faithfulness is. Even when you don't feel like it, you stick with it. Instead of saying, well, I'm getting divorced because I don't think things are going right.' Even the best of marriages have rocky roads. Didn't Billy Graham's wife once say, "I never felt ever feel of divorcing him? No, but I thought of murder." You know, you've heard that. I'm sure people have heard that saying from Ruth Graham. <laughs> 
we've all felt like killing the people we love at times. So um, anyway, I thank God for such a faithful wife, Abby. And uh, I remember it hadn't snowed at all until it finally snowed that weekend. We went to the Poconos for a honeymoon. It was snowing on the way up. They just had a few inches, like this recent snowstorm we just had here and uh, in New York. And uh, we were we just were up and running. And I, was in the, I became a lawyer and started a prison ministry while I was in law school. And we've been attending. Uh, now we've been attending for over 30 years up here in Rockland County, New York. Uh, Beth, Beth and Messiah. Uh, Messianic congregation. So um, I have a message which I have been preparing to give by a congregation, which in the next week they, I, they're going to let me be a speaker. I'm not the rabbi. I just said I have this message I want to prepare. And then uh, I've asked last night by Joe Cohen to stand in, and I have just the message prepared tonight about are you abiding in the goodness of God from Romans 11:22, And uh, Brother Joe says that the woman that was supposed to speak that couldn't make it tonight, that's like her motto on her website or something, the goodness of God. So I'm excited about this message because it says in Romans 11:22, uh, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also shall be cut off. Now the passage before that, the verses before that, was talking about how the Gentiles are grafted into the, the vine, the Jews are the vine, and uh, it says, you know, don't, be boast against the vine because you can be cut off also that you know that's what it's talking about you know and and if they repent they can be you know you know be put put right back into the vine also so and he says so so he's talking about the goodness and severity of god god's good to anyone who returns and repents but he's not good to people unrepentant sinners um that's the basic that's basically what it is and so he's saying but he says but you must continue in his goodness if, and so if you continue his goodness, otherwise if you don't continue his goodness, you'll be cut off. So why does he make a statement like that? You know, why does he say continue in his goodness? You know, he didn't say continue in his, uh, continue in his righteousness, continue in his holiness, continue in his love. I mean, he could have said anything, but he said continue in his goodness. And there's a reason why he says that. I mean, I've learned one thing. God does not uh, fool around with words. He means what he says and says what he means. And listen to you know, when he uses a word, there's a reason why he uses a particular word. You know, uh, he's very, you know, he's not like us where we just make expressions. You know, like, I'm a lawyer. A lot of times clients will make statements. They'll say, they'll say, well, I'm waiting at the light for five minutes. I said, you weren't waiting at the light for five minutes. Red lights don't last more than 30 or 45 seconds, you know, at the longest, a minute or something like that. You know, is that five or ten minutes? Like, they'll, say, they'll make all these ridiculous statements, you know. That person must have been going 60 or 70 miles an hour. They weren't going to 60 or 70 miles an hour on a tiny uh, side street with cars parked on both sides. And it seemed fast to you, but even... 25 or 30 miles will seem fast to you, you know, but it's not, I mean, don't make ridiculous outlandish statements. God doesn't do that. He doesn't just use hyperbole uh, unless he's, unless, if you do, there's a reason why he doesn't, and you know it in the context. But he says things, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that are, he uses words meaningfully, and we need to do the same. Uh, so, so what does it mean to continue in God's goodness? You know, why is it so critically important? Well, first of all, the Greek word for goodness is, if I'm pronouncing this right, because I'm not a Greek scholar, I just, I just can look up a concordance, krestotes, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-T-E-S, krestotes or krestotes, whatever. It means excellence in character or demeanor, gentleness, goodness, and kindness. So uh, 
that's how we're supposed to, we're supposed to see God as that, that God is excellent in character or demeanor. Demeanor is how someone treats you, like if someone has a friendly demeanor toward you or an angry or mean demeanor toward you. Like if you remember the story with Joseph, when he, uh, Jacob, when he was going to leave Laban, uh, but he'd gotten, no, he, he decided to leave Laban. God told him to leave Laban because after he, God gave him the vision with the sheep after they'd been there 20 years and then and he got all, all the strong sheep and became wealthy and made Jacob poor, he saw that his demeanor toward him was not as it was before. His, his facial countenance was not before, as it was before. He was, he was not friendly toward him like he was before. God's not like that. He doesn't get, uh, I'm, I'm your friend one day and not the other. He'll just get angry at the sin you do. You know, he's not like what you do, but he doesn't change his uh, feelings, toward, uh, his love toward us. He's like a, a father who always loves us, just might be stern about our behavior, but not uh, us as a person, uh, our, uh, our basic interests and value to him as, our sons and, as his sons and daughters. So it's excellence in character to me. That's the Lord, gentleness. As David said, thy gentleness is made re great. Just like a mother and father are gentle with their children, God is gentle with us. And goodness, you know, we all know what we all want people to be good to us. You know, we should be able to know what's good and what's bad, right? And kindness. God is always kind to us. Kindness is extends even when we don't deserve it. You know, like you forgive somebody alone, you're being kind to them because they can't afford to pay you back. You say, I just forgive you. You're being kind to them. You know, or helping a stranger. You don't have to help the stranger. Uh, you're being kind to them. And there's multitudes of ways you can be kind to people as opposed to mean to people. So we're to continue it. But why is it so important to continue it? Why can't you just believe in God and not continue in his goodness? Why does he say you have to continue his goodness? Well, I, if you don't see God as a good God, you're going to have a difficult time uh, trusting in him, especially when things go south. Uh, when things aren't going well, and you don't see God as a good God, you, you can forsake the faith. You know, this is uh, um, my my son Zachary. He had a, a woman he met uh, last year at this time, and they were. It looked like they had a pretty serious relationship, but she was she was a she was a Jew from here. She'd been in the military, but graduated in Annapolis, and uh, was in the Marines. But then she got had a discharge because of mistreatment. And she got an honorable discharge of mistreatment there. But she just felt that she had been to Ukraine and missionary work. And she felt to go there for years, so she said, God's taking us on different paths. And Zach, we did feel led to go to Ukraine with her. So they had a, a, a good understanding they uh, left of uh, their relationship, but she just texted him the other day, and, she, and, and he says to me, while we were in Florida, he went to Florida with us, came in from California, works in L.A. for Boeing as an engineer, but he came into Florida when we were down to visiting my other son, one of my other sons down there, Nathaniel, and, and, he, and he gets a text from her. She says, uh, and he says her, her faith is totally gone. You know, uh, she just lost her faith. I said that's a, a spiritual attack that she had because she went to Ukraine to do missionary work. And so we have to pray for her that God will restore her because uh, she had been strong in the Lord, but apparently not strong enough, you know. And uh, yeah, she was a spiritually attacked. But uh, so what happens is when it, that you often lose our faith if we don't see the goodness of God. Something bad happens to us, we get disappointed, and we don't see God's goodness in it, and then, and then we lose our faith. And we, we, we wonder if we ever were a believer, you know, if there's even a God. That's what can happen. And you say, I thought that person was such a strong believer. How did that happen to them? You know, because you don't know what's really in their heart, how close they are, God, what uh, hurts they have that the devil can attack them with and cause them to doubt. Don't forget that even John the Baptist, 
when he was in prison, he said, are you, he said to Jesus, are you the one that was, should come, or should we look for one, another? And Jesus sent back to him uh, all the miracles he'd done uh, recently, and they said um, that he was, you know, blessed as he doesn't lose their, you know, I forget the exact words, but lose their faith in me or whatever. But, you know, John, he used whatever, I forgot the exact words, but Jesus said something to encourage him and uh, restore his faith. But even John the Baptist uh, was doubting because he was in the jail. So it's good to fortify ourselves with the Word of God. When things, when things are well, just like an athlete, you, you train yourself. So when, when, when you're in the rough times, like the athletic competition, and you feel like giving up or quitting, you have the stamina to continue. Uh, like in running a marathon race or any or any other kind of athletic competition. I, I used to wrestle in high school, in junior high school. And in five or six minutes, you know, five minutes in junior high, six minutes in high school, two minutes, two minutes, and two minutes. After after the first minute, you feel like you want to die almost. You, you get so exhausted. You know, you got to be in really good shape. So usually the person that you get through into the second or third round, you know, you <laughs> you can win if you can. It's just a matter of having the stamina. Because you can start off strong, but then you barely can move, you know, if, if you're not in good shape. So we have to fortify ourselves in the love of God and, the, and, and realize that God is good. So when things happen that aren't good, that don't appear to be good in our life, we don't say, what kind of God is this? What kind of God would do this to you? Because the devil said, what kind of God would let this happen to you? What kind of God would let you... Uh, have a, lose a loved one, or have you get sick, or let you uh, this happen to you, or let you lose your job, or lose this, a big business, or or whatever happens to you that could be horrifying. Um, so, uh, so here's some verses. Uh, I'll go through like run uh, several verses from the Psalms. I'm just going to read them. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was confession that David had in famous Psalm 23, verse five and six. He knew, he said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. So if you're sure goodness and mercy are going to follow you, you're not going to say when things are bad, oh, I guess goodness isn't following me anymore, mercy is not following me anymore. No, it's still with me in spite of what happened. How do you think David fortified, when David uh, lost, when he came back to Ziklag uh, after being with the Philistines, he came back and the Amalekites had raided and, uh, his, and taken Abigail, all the, his wives and all the other men's wives and children hostage, and they felt like they were going to stone him, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, how do you think he encouraged himself? He didn't just say, well, why did you let this happen, God? What kind of God are you? No, he encouraged himself in God's goodness. He's been good to me, and he's going to help me here, and God did help him get restoration. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have great confession to make on a regular basis. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you, which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. That's uh, Psalm 31, 19. That's a beautiful proclamation, too. How great is your goodness. You know, not just how great is your goodness. Oh, how great is your goodness. See, the words are very important. He didn't just say how great is your goodness. He says, oh, how great is your goodness. God knows where to put the emphasis on things. I love that, but it just strikes me right in the spirit every time I read it. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you. That's you and me, which you have brought for them to trust in you before the sons of men. You see how goodness is related to trust, but you can't trust God if you don't believe he's good. You can't trust somebody you think is going to hurt you uh, or just doesn't care about you. 
Psalm 33, 5. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Psalm 34, 8. See, again, how goodness is related to trust. But how do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, David said in Psalm 119, I believe, we don't know specifically, but I believe it's Psalm 119. The rabbis believe that David wrote that so much like his other writings. But he says in Psalm 119 that uh, he desired his sweet and honey is thy word to my mouth and my taste, you know. Uh, so, and and uh, Job said, I desire your words more than my daily food. So that's how you taste the Lord, primarily through his, his word and prayer and seeking him, worshiping him. These things will cause you to taste of the Lord. The goodness of God endures continually, not temporarily, but continually. Psalm 52.1. Blessed is the man whom you choose a cause to approach unto you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thine house, even of thine holy temple. See, he said we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. He didn't say the beauty of your house, the splendor of your house, the glory of your house. He said the goodness of your house. See, that's what I'm saying. God uses words, particular words, and here he chose the word goodness. Uh, of what you see when you go to the, God's holy temple. And where do we see God's holy temple now? Well, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and also the body of Christ is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we see that when we, uh, in our spirit, we can sense the goodness of His holiness, the holy temple in ourselves, and when we're around fellow believers in unity. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drop abundance. That's a wonderful, I always like to say that for this year. God bless your year with goodness. Great thing for the new year. Crown the year with goodness. He didn't say I crown the year with uh, my beauty, with my glory. He said I crown it with my goodness. Crown it with your goodness. And your paths drop abundance. So those two verses were Psalm 65, verses 4 and 10. Aren't these beautiful? Aren't these words beautiful? Here's another one. Psalm 145, 7 through 9. I hope you don't mind me just reading some, but they're just so exciting. Just, just You read them, and you, and you can go back and look over them uh, yourselves in the coming days. They shall abundantly utter the memory of your great goodness, talking about people throughout the world, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and is tender mercy over all his works. Psalm 145, 7 through 9. The memory of your great goodness. So, so, so um, goodness is emphasized throughout the scriptures. Now, this is from Second Chronicles six forty one. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord. Solomon is saying this uh, when they dedicated the temple. Arise, O Lord God, into your resting place. We sing this song by Paul Wilbur. Now, arise, Lord, to your resting place. You and the ark of your strength. You know, I sang it real bad. But arise at your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in goodness. See? Don't re- didn't say rejoice in your glory, rejoice in your greatness, but rejoice in your goodness. And um, that's 2 Chronicles 6.41. It's a dedication of Solomon's temple. Jeremiah 31.14. And I will satisfy the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Again, he doesn't say you'll be satisfied with my glory or something else. He said you'll be satisfied with my goodness. And here's a ver- and this verse uh, coming up, I really like this one. Zechariah 9.17. 
for how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. You know, it's just an exclamation. How great is it? When you read that, you say this out loud. See, these things you need to say them out loud. Don't just read them silently. Say them out loud. It's like a proclamation. It stirs up your spirit. Especially, you know, when I woke up, sometimes you wake up for no reason. You just feel depressed or out of sorts, whatever. I was feeling that way yesterday for no reason. Maybe, who knows, you wake up, you just, who knows. I just was not, I was just feeling a little down and worried about, you know, for, you wonder if something's going to happen that's not good, whatever. And, and I just said, I'm going to start praising the Lord. And when I started doing that, it went away. So this is some of the ways you can do that. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Zechariah 9.17. So he doesn't just say God is good, but how great is his goodness. So now Psalm 107 is a psalm that focuses on the goodness of the Lord. It's, it's a long psalm, but it talks about people that God, some people are in trouble because of their own problems, you know, their own, either their own problems or stupidity or their own rebellion, and God is good and brings them brings it back and, and helps them, or people, or people are wandering around, and God brings it to their desired haven. You know, this just, it just shows how God is good to people. Even when, It's a great psalm for people who really, re, if you've been really foolish or rebellious, and you say, well, God would never do anything good for me. I've made a mess of my life. No, he, said, he talks about breaking the shackles of iron, uh, bondages of people. That's like someone in prison. Um, oh, give thanks. So this Psalm 107 Okay, thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm mean, redeemed from the Lord, hand of the enemy. I love to say I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from the hand of the enemy. That's a great confession, too. So then, four times throughout this psalm, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works of the children of men. He says that each time he gives an example, like the shackles being broken from somebody or the people wandering around in the desert. Uh, the people on the sea ship that's being tossed to and fro and didn't think they're going to make it. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why do you think he repeats it four times? Because why does it just say it once? Why doesn't he just say it at the end of the song one time? Right, he says it four times after each incident. Um, to emphasize it. God emphasizes things to underscore the importance of it. And just saying it makes you uh, get excited about the goodness of God. So, um, and then at the end of the psalm, the very last verse says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. See, uh, understanding, that's what Paul's talking about. If you continue, loving kindness, remember that's one of the definitions of goodness, loving kindness, kindness. So, uh, if you focus on, how do you rec remember the goodness of God when you look at all the times, like these examples in the scripture and this psalm and other psalms and other scriptural passages, or in your own life or lives of others where God has done something good for people, especially when they didn't deserve it, and especially saving us is the main way he saved us when we didn't deserve it, you know, the game of salvation. You've got to think about these things. You can't just be passive. You have to think about these. So you're wise because you observe these things. You're observing these things, not the negative things in your life or the things in the world uh, or whatever's going on that's horrible. And uh, you have to focus on the good things. Like Paul said, whatever's good and lovely, and, you know, whatever's good. Remember Paul said, whatever's good and lovely, and good, good report, think of these things. Um, so God will give us increasing wisdom about his loving kindness. 
So the psalm underscores the critical importance of understanding God's goodness and his basic nature. It's his basic nature. It's part of love. God, you know, God's love is, it's like the goodness is like synonymous with his love. Um, in spite of our weaknesses, he, he just is good to us. So David, in Psalm 2, is another psalm where David emphasizes this. Uh, there's another one I love to say. I had, in Psalm 27, 13, and 14, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Not just courage, good courage. <laughs> and he shall strengthen your heart, wait I say in the Lord. See, that's a great uh, confession. You know, he said, I'd faint unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're expecting, when things fall apart, I expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What a great confession to say that. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. Uh, so you're, you're, as, you know, the world sees to believe. We, we're the opposite. This is faith. This is a, a perfect statement of faith. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Or I believe to see my wife healed. I believe to see my finances restored. I believe to see so-and-so get saved. You know, you know, I believe to see Israel's salvation. You know, you're believing to see the goodness based on what, uh, because he is good. You know, he didn't say, I believe to see the glory of the Lord, or I believe to see whatever. He just said, I believe, he chose the word goodness. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, Psalm 27. And the book of Hebrews, oh, this is this, this one, God, I just saw this just recently, about in uh, Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 12. But Messiah came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. This is a good verse which I, I use, free, I take, you know, Brother Joe got me to take communion on a regular basis, and I most often... Uh, cite this verse, when I read this verse, or say this verse when I'm taking communion. And I, I don't know anybody else that does. Uh, more people should, because this is tremendous. I mean, and you can take any verse that focuses on the blood of Yeshua at the, when you drink the cup. You know, you can one day do it this way, and one day another way, because there's so many scriptures that he said, do this and remember it to me. This is, any verse will remind you of what he did for us uh, will work great for taking communion. Um, but he's the high, why does it say he's the high priest of the good things to come? Then NIV says of the good things that have come. Either way, it means the same thing. He's the high priest of the good things. Why does it say of the high priest of the good things? Why does it just say he's our high priest? Think about that. But he's the high priest of good things to come or that have come. <laughs> because he wants, again, he's getting us to have a look to Yeshua, who's the author and developer of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him to uh, provide for us. When we have needs, we're looking to him. We, we pray to God, the Father, in the name of Yeshua. And Yeshua is the high priest. He mediates the new covenant, as the book of Hebrews says. And what he mediates is to give us the good things. These are the things that he has promised us, things concerning salvation and provision and deliverance and, and miracles and uh, uh, ministry or you know, provision, just whatever you need or other people you're praying for need. I mean, it's all, it's all part of the good things. Uh, that he's given us. You know, none of us have tapped into all that God wants to give us. Uh, he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Uh, it says in the book of First uh, Peter, which I'm presently studying. Uh, so um, he, he's, uh, so that's a great confession. I say, thank you, Yeshua, you're my... Uh, this is a good confession I just started making recently. 
I've seen a lot more good things happen for me since I've been doing this. Uh, I say, thank you, Yeshua. You're my high priest of the good things to come. So anytime you're tempted to fear, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in my life. What if the economy goes down? What if this? What? Oh, oh, it's flu season. What if I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get sick. You know, forget about all that. Don't even say, don't say those things. Or uh, what's going to happen with the world with all these wars going on? What's going to happen to America? What's going to happen? What's going? Don't say that. Say thank you, Yeshua. You're my high priest of the good things to come. Thank you, because of your sacrifice, shedding your precious blood and sacrificing your body for me, yet you're not my, you are my high priest. Don't say you're the high priest. Say you're my high priest, because he, he is your personal high priest. He's, he's your high priest for you, because he's the author and finisher of your faith. So you have to personalize it. So thank you, you're the high priest of the good things to come. You're my high priest, and I think you have good things in store for me. You're my all, all, I used to... When I first got saved, I heard Oral Roberts say something good's going to happen. You know, I thought that was kind of hokey, and I didn't think really that. I just didn't think that well about it. But I see now. I see where he gets it from. I don't know if he got it from this particular verse, but this verse backs up that thing, saying because something good is going to happen to you if he's the high priest of the good things to come, or the high, or as Dan obviously the high priest of the good things that have come, and the good that have come, he's he's enabling you to tap into those good things that have come. Um, I think of both ways, because he's, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever, he covers past, present, and future. So, um, so we've got to keep, our, keep Yeshua as our high priest who benefits good things for us, and keep our expectations of receiving and experiencing those good things. You, we won't fail to abide in his goodness, as Roman 11.22 commands us. That's commandment, by the way. It's not a suggestion to continue in his goodness. So you, how do you continue his goodness, then? You look to Yeshua as the high priest of the good things to come. And you supplement that by all these other psalms and, and, and verses in the prophets that proclaim that goodness. And, th- and when we truly see Yeshua as a high priest of good things to come, it, it, now, it, it puts a whole new meaning on what Romans 8.28 says. And you all know this verse, I'm sure. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, how all things are going to work together for good? Because he's, because he's our great high priest of the good things to come. That's why it makes all things work together for good, even if things that are happening aren't good in of themselves. Um, so people usually cite this verse and something bad or disappointing happens, you know. Well, you know, something bad happened, you know, so, well, all things work together for good to them who love God. They always say that. Uh, but when you put this verse together with the realization that Yeshua is the high priest of good things to come, it, it gives you a, a new perspective of having faith and hope in the midst of the troubling situations that arise, no matter what they are. You know, when I came to the Lord at Penn State, I came to the Lord on the, on the right basis. I mean, some people come on the wrong basis. Uh, they, they come expecting God to do something for them. Um, what I, what I, come, I came saying, I need God. I can't make it in life. I realize life's going to be filled with trouble. Uh, always going to be situations cause that we have to. And I need. I can't handle on myself. I was 19, so I said, I need God uh, to help me. And all that. I'll never make it in life without His help. So that's how I came to him, realizing I was totally insufficient in myself. A lot of people they have so much pride that they well, I can make it on myself. I don't really need God, you know. Uh, but they might accept God because well, I want the good things He can give me, and and I know I'm a sinner. And, and I need salvation. 
which is fine, saying, I know I'm a sinner and I need to repent, I need salvation. But I realized how desperately I needed him just to make it in life to be a successful life. And successful by his standards, not my standards. What he wants for my life. That's not, when I originally came to the Lord, I, was, I, I, I saw that I'm just totally destitute. And I still say, you know, but for the Lord, I, I'd be like, it says in um, Revelation to, I think, the church at um, Laodicea, you don't know, you say you're rich and have needed nothing, but you don't know that you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked, and miserable. I say, Lord, apart from you, I am wretched and poor and blind and naked and miserable. Now, you know, the parable of Matthew, uh, the talents, Matthew 25, uh, verse 14 to 30, that's where the... Uh, the master went and gave five talents to one guy, three, two to the next guy, and one to the last guy. And the first guy came, the first two traded and did well. And when the master came back, he said, well done, that good and faithful servant. Because they, they doubled the amount. He, I gave you five. You gave me five. Here's five plus five more. God, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. And the same with the guy with the two. So the guy with the one said, I was afraid and hid myself. You know, he says, uh, and why did he say this? He says, and I hid it in here, you have what was your own. But he said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not sown. And I was afraid and went and hid your town in the earth, and lo, here you have what is yours. So the, man, the master was angry, called him a wicked and slothful servant, and took the town away from the servant, and referring to him as an unprofitable servant, and commanded to be thrown into outer darkness. Um, so it sounds like sent him to hell <laughs> but uh the the, the uh, point of this is that he did not see him as a good master he he feared him he thought he was a hard man and that's how a lot of people see god if you don't see and if you don't see god you're afraid to do anything for god uh because you're afraid you know he's just gonna, you're afraid he's gonna just come down on you you know you you're afraid he's going to punish you. I mean, what you fear comes upon you. If you see him as a good God, you're going to act accordingly. If you see him as a bad God, it's going to, it's going to make you cower in fear and, uh, and live a life of defeat. And you may even wonder if there is a God. eventually, Because you see, when you open yourself up to that fear, then the devil comes in and will cause all sorts of doubts. You see, it's not just a matter of you having fear, but the devil sees an opening, and he will cause you to... Doubt you were ever saved. The doubt that God ever loved you, or still loves you, or you've done it now. You're cast aside. He'll cause you to, you know, you take your eyes off of, of God, of, of Yeshua, and 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 start seeing that he he's against you, or he or at the, or he's forsaken you, or at the very least he doesn't care about you, which is just as bad. Just say he doesn't care about you. That's what the Israelites say. Oh, God doesn't care about us. And, and look how it caused them to rebel against us throughout their days in the wilderness. I'll be done soon. Um, so we've got to be like that. those first two masters. So their master is a good man, and not be like the third guy, so, our master is a hard, so the master is a hard and cruel man. So, as I said before, our belief in God is a good guy is related to our ability to trust in him. You can't trust in someone, you know, believe is good. So it's like a child as a father. You don't think the father is good, but thinks they're harsh. Uh, they, they will have trouble trusting their father. Um, the more we see as God is a, a God who only wants to do good for us, or wants good for us, and that Yeshua is our high priest of the good things to come, the more we're able to trust him in every area and situation of our life. It's all about trust. Our whole life, our whole, our whole life of fruitfulness depends 
on trusting God to work in and through us. The Israelites, on the other hand, as I said before, refused to see God as a good God and didn't trust Him. That's why they were always complaining in the time in Sinai. You know, you, you know Moses all, went through all the hardship they went through. You didn't see him complaining about God or, or, or that we don't have enough to eat or we... Uh, we or we're dying of thirst, why did you bring us out here to kill us in the wilderness? I mean, <laughs> Moses and Joshua and Caleb weren't like that. So Psalm 78, which is a very long psalm, I think it's like 76 verses or something like that, or 72 verses, uh, recounts how they failed to remember all the good things God had done for them, and they continued to complain and rebelled against them. But even in spite of all the bad things they did, you know, it's, God was still good to them because it said their feet, their feet didn't swell and their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out. And, you know, I said, you know, I said, I just started applying that to my life. I said, you know, if these people's feet didn't swell and their clothes didn't wear out, why can't you make it so that my body doesn't swell? You know, inflammation is not good for your health. And, and, you know, and my organs and tissue and don't wear out. And, then, you know, you, I can live out the length of my days in health and strength. You know, I said, I start claiming that because if you did it for them and they weren't even trusting in you and you kept their feet from swelling and their clothes from wearing out, you can cause my, my body parts not to wear out prematurely. You know, it could live in health and strength until it's time for me to go home. So Psalm 78, 72, in spite of the litany of all the bad stuff they did, uh, so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. See, that's a, a nutshell of God's goodness to them. It's integrity of heart. He fed them because he's good. Just like you, if you have little children, you feed them. Even if they're crying and bawling and swelling and carrying on, you're still going to take care of them. And you'll guide them and keep them out, try to keep them out of trouble. And, but Moses had this wonderful understanding and personal revelation of the goodness of God. He said um, um, in Exodus 33, and this is after the golden calf incident, he said to the Lord, I beseech you, show me your glory. And he, God, said to him, I will make all my goodness, he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Now, why did he say, I'll make all my goodness pass before you? Why did he say, I'll make all my glory pass before you, or all my greatness pass before you? He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. See, again, the choice of word, goodness. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will be merciful to those I will be merciful to. And then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. He put Moses in the cleft of the rock. So he, t- he tells him, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock because you can't see my whole glory. You can't see my face and limb, so I'll show you my back parts. So, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy to... For thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. So, there you go. Uh, the emphasis, when Moses has to see his glory, he caused all his goodness to pass before him. And you see, his goodness is uh, composed of him being merciful and gracious and long-suffering. It means very patient with, with us, even when we've sinned. You know, like Yeshua. This is, Yeshua it, it stated what this long-suffering is. How often shall I sin against my brother and he re- repenting of me, forgive me? He said seven times a day? No, 70 times seven. So that's long-suffering to forgive somebody when they keep doing something over and over. Abundant in goodness and truth and keeping mercy for thousands. Uh, and thousands. A good way to forgive, and this is the end, a good way to, to continue in God's goodness is 
is to regularly proclaim the words David set forth in Psalm 103. One for six is a good thing to proclaim. Uh, this will remind you of God's goodness. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is with me. Bless his holy name. Boy, it's powerful just saying that. Everybody say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. See, he satisfies your mouth with what things? Good things, so that your new youth is renewed like the eagles. And the last thing I'll say is, um, another, another verse to focus on is First Thessalonians 5.17 and everything give thanks so this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you why can you give thanks and everything because you know God's a good God that all things work together for good to them love God and only has and Jesus is your high priest of the good things to come Amen now for those of you who haven't tasted of the goodness of God and have never known God you maybe know about God you've heard about him you never accepted him into your heart like me. I'd known about God my whole life, but there came a time when I was 19 when I had to say, Yeshua, I want you in my life. Like it says in Revelation 3.20, uh, I behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, hears me knocking, opens the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Come in. You know, letting him in. It's as simple as like marriage. I do. It's not a big, long ceremony. Will you take this man? Will you take this woman? Yes, I do, I do. And you're saying, yes, Lord, I want you in my life. I, I, I'm a sinner. I need you. I can't make it. I want you to come, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. And set me on your path. That's all you have to do. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I open up my, the door of my heart to you. I ask you to come into my life. Save me. And I give my life to you to serve you for all my life. And then that's something simple, as simple as that to get saved. And if you're a believer, you, it's time to uh, maybe you need to repent and say, God, I haven't seen you as a good God, or I haven't thought about it. I just never considered that. And say, Lord, I ask that you teach me about your goodness. Help me to give me a revelation. I've heard these things that Alan spoke about your goodness, but give me a revelation in my own spirit about your goodness that I might see how great is your goodness, and I might taste and see that the Lord is good, that I might have a, have a fresh new revelation of how good a God you are. Amen. I say amen to that. Done. Praise the Lord. Powerful word tonight. Are you abiding in the goodness of God? Coming out of Romans eleven We're live with Alan Binger and Joseph Cohen. Brother Joseph? Praise God, Alan. A beautiful message. Um, David's so good and so right. And uh, David said, um, I, I would have fainted if I didn't see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In uh, Psalm 27:13, beautiful. And uh, thank you for that powerful message, um, Alan, because uh, uh, as we're going into 2024, um, you know, it's, uh, the enemy likes to play on that negative stuff like, like your son, but we believe God to turn that around. So we just have to know we have to keep a positive attitude and just keep trusting him. So we'll take communion, Brother Shannon. Fantastic. Folks, when we take communion, we're paying honor to the Lord Jesus Christ for his sacrifice for you and I. And we meet him at his table. 
communion is open any believer in Jesus Christ. And if you want to take communion, we invite you to do it tonight. As you're preparing to take communion, you want to prepare your heart to meet the Lord. And uh, if there's any sins that you have not repented of or any unforgiveness that you're holding towards someone else, you want to deal with that stuff before you take communion. And if you're ready to do that, ready to repent and forgive, then come to meet the Lord and at his table and receive the blessing. It says, as often as we do this, we do show the Lord's death till he comes. So praise the Lord. Brother Joseph, back to you. And you may be muted, Brother Joseph. Check and see. Well, there you go. When we take communion, brother, when we take communion and we, uh, we drink the, uh, the cup, uh, the juice, we say, Hail uh, to my King Jesus uh, three times in honor of the Trinity and hail uh, to our King Jesus once. Baruch atah Thank you, Father, for that. Take me in. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Alan, I want you to uh, give out your contact information and how can people reach you in your ministry? Well, you can email me. I, I don't have a website for ministry. I just have an email address. Um, I have a lower website, but I don't have a website for ministry. But someone can email me, as people have done, to AJB Law, and my initials Alan J. Binger, AJBLAW, because I'm a lawyer, AJB Law at optonline.net. O for operator, P for Paul, T for Tom, O for operator, and for Nancy, L for Larry, I for Igloo, and for Nancy, E for Edward, dot net, AJB Law at optonline.net. And I have two books that have messages like this. One's called Matter for Your Soul, has 40 messages. And then I have the one, More Matter for Your Soul, uh, 52 messages. I went through a lot of those messages in prior broadcasts uh, over the last two or three years. So um, uh, those who have heard me before, you know, my messages. My messages always focus on promises or scriptures or verses. I don't give my, I try not to give my own opinion. I mean, my, my own opinion is, is totally worthless. <laughs> Only God's truth is what matters, and that's what I try to make the theme of my messages. Bringing forth His truth, because only His truth can set you free, right? Amen, everybody? Amen, that's only right. Only truth can set you free, not our opinions. Amen. Amen. Brother Joseph, give out your contact information. How can people reach you and support your ministry? Well, uh, first of all, they can go on my YouTube channel, <clears throat> and um, they can... Um, uh, they can... Um, See you, Brother Shannon, and, and hear your testimony. You just go to YouTube, put Shannon Davison forward slash New Hope in the Lord, and you can hear Shannon's testimony. And also Alan Binger. You could just uh, put Alan's name in, and again, forward slash New Hope in the Lord, and you can uh, hear Alan's testimony and uh, how, you know, what God's done in his life. Um, I have a... a, a um, Website New Hope in the Lord, uh, you know, dot com. You can go there. There's a lot of good stuff uh, on the website. Uh, praise God. And if you'd like to support us, uh, we could do it through PayPal. It's PayPal dot uh, me forward slash Cohen C O H E N seven two seven or through Zell. Uh, at rvz.joseph at aol.com Fantastic. Gentlemen, I love both of you brothers and you all been with me for a long time. I do appreciate your service to the body of Christ and doing these programs with me. And uh, I will get this up in the archive here and get you all both a copy tonight. Uh, Brother Joseph, i got a question for you. Sure. I've always called you Cohen, and I believe that's correct, but some people say Cohen. Which is the right way? Is that just in New York if you say Cohen, or do you say Cohen? No, no. The Cohen is it. Cohen's uh, <laughs> not, not Jewish. Well, that's... It's Cohen. It, Cohen. Right. In it's, Hebrew, it's Kohen. You know, that's the Kohen was Cohen. the priest. A priest, Kohen. Kohen Gadol was the high priest. Kohen. So Cohen, Cohen, there's there's people it's, number C O H N. It's just a derivative of it, right? I think yeah, I Cohen. would just talk to some people with the New Jersey accent. They said Cohen. 
<laughs> no. no. There was a David Cohn, a base, baseball pitcher years ago, David Cohn, C-O-N-E, he wasn't Jewish. Oh, well, that's a different spelling altogether. No, yeah. he wasn't. Okay. Like, not like ice cream cone. No. <laughs> yeah, and George M. Cohen. Cohen, right? Cohen, he was Irish or something. Uh, you know what? I may have misheard that. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. That was George M. Cohen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what it is. It's a Cohenim, the high priest. That's exactly. I had it right. Private Levi. I had it right all along. I just said, man, they, they got a real jacked up uh, slang up there as you get up further north, man. Come on back down to the south. Yeah. Um, <laughs> love you both, gentlemen. Thank you, Brother Joseph, Brother Alan. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Okay, bless everybody. Shalom, shalom. Shalom to you. Shalom. Shalom, Brother Joseph. Shalom. Friends, we've got a great program for you tonight. Uh, I came up with a great plan. I am. Uh, stand by. Uh, calling you in six minutes. Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, I've got a perfect place to put our schedule. Right on my Facebook wall as a uh, pin post. So every day I will pin to the top of my Facebook wall uh, our schedule for that evening. So that's where you can go to get it. If you want to add me as a friend, you can do that. For those who are on Facebook, if you're not, We'll have to come up with another option for you. Mr. Shannon Ray Davis. I put the Mr. in because I can't get my old Shannon Ray Davis for some reason. They got me on a blacklist, I think. Okay. Uh, Find me there on my website. Stand by. Let's go to song. We'll be right back. Oh, sorry, I didn't turn the music on. I heard an electric razor going. I was afraid Judah had got it, and he was shaving Jemima's head and give her a mohawk. Actually, it's Mama. She's got the razor out. Uh, she is a professional hairstylist, and so she gives everybody haircuts. When I married her, I get free haircuts for life. Now, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> but recently, I cut my own hair, shaved it all off. Every once in a while, it's good to shave your head. I recommend everybody get a buzz cut out there. It's good. You get up in the morning, you realize you don't have to comb your hair. You're ready to go. You know, nothing like having a bad hair day. you got to style your hair. I don't have to worry about that. It's pre-styled. Okay. Let's go to a song coming up next. Paul Begley and Troy Anderson. <laughs> 